Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast via Zoom. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. And if you can hear my dog dropping her toy in the background, it's completely natural and normal here. <coughs> yes, our respective bedrooms are now offices, doggy daycares. Yep. You know, cones of sadness. <laughs> like Pretty much. Our, our dens of solitude. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But today, we decided we wanted to do something a little different. We're not going to do any sort of review. We're going to straight up talk about iconic K-pop moments. Yes. So I was kind of thinking about the past decade and then some, and I was thinking about all the times where it was like, whoa, that is so shocking, either when it comes to news or the music of the K-pop industry. So we selected about around 10 (laughs) moments um, in news, and then next week's episode will be moments in music. So hopefully you guys can feel nostalgic with us as we talk about these iconic K-pop moments. Yes, we're feeling very nostalgic for a time when you could go and hug your friend or go to a restaurant. Yeah, share some news (laughs) face-to-face. I know. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be a two-parter, so let's get into part one. And I'm just going to say, we have a list, but this is Rachel and I kind of going off the cuff. There isn't a ton of stats and research because we lived through all these and we just kind of want to reminisce about these shocking slash totally iconic things that happened because not everything bad happened. Sometimes there was like shocking, amazing things happening. Yeah, and these are iconic K-pop moments for us. Your K-pop moments could be completely different. If you stand one particular group, all of your moments may be about that particular group. Emily and I are generalists, I would say, and we like a variety of groups. So our iconic K-pop moments kind of span span everything that comes with K-pop. And I will say before we begin that we will be talking about suicide So if that triggers you, just don't listen to this episode or um, we'll try to do it again before we actually talk about it. So our first iconic moment was way, way back in spring of 2008. I remember this so fucking clearly. I actually watched this when it premiered on TV. Rain went on Colbert Report and it was this whole bit about Stephen Colbert being mad that Rain kept winning over him in the Time Magazine's most influential person of the year rankings. And so Rain goes on his show and it's like this big dramatic thing. And then they have a dance competition, but it's DDR. (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm pretty sure like, it's like the episode before that he like calls Rain out on the show, like does a whole recorded (laughs) set of that. And then... (coughs) You got the Rona. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next episode, they do this big dance battle, which has the most iconic song, which which is just (laughs) someone singing, he's dancing in Korean, he's dancing in Korean, he's dancing in Korean. And (laughs) and it's just beautiful. Like, the DDR dance battle, all of it just so encompasses, like, high school for me. Mm -hmm. And... 
my mom like at, at the time like I really wasn't into k-pop I didn't really understand what that was but my mom was like oh it's an Asian person on TV Rachel must be interested <laughs> I just thought that was funny too so that was- is definitely an iconic moment for both of us so way back in the day I was like a diehard Stephen Colbert fan I'd watch it I would watch the Colbert Report literally every night me too. because my mom wouldn't let me go out on weeknights. <laughs> so <laughs> I watched a lot of TV, so I would never miss an episode. And I remember watching this as it happened and being like, who is this person? And then they kind of get into the fact that Rain was doing promotion for Ninja Assassin, which had, I think, just come out or was coming out really yeah. soon. And Ninja Assassin is a, an English movie, like everyone speaks English, and it's a action movie I guess like an action martial arts movie that Rain Mm -hmm. stars in so that is also iconic within itself yeah so that was our first iconic k-pop moment that we both experienced in our lives even before we got into k-pop but the rest of these are pretty much solidly after we got into k-pop and solidly around the time when we started our radio show going through different k-pop songs so we were plugged in at this point so the rest of it you know is a bit more nuanced but i would say that is the first iconic k-pop moment that we both remember Mm mm-hmm We got into K-pop in 2010, and then around 2013, 2014, had the radio show, and we've been plugged the fuck in ever since. Yep. (laughs) Can't get off this ride. (laughs) No. (laughs) So in June 2014, Park Bomb of 21 had a drug scandal. Yeah. So basically, she was accused of smuggling illegal drugs into South Korea. But what we learned later was that she was actually just bringing drugs that were prescribed to her by a doctor in the United States. But they happened to be amphetamines, which are banned in South Korea or were at the time. I'm not sure if they still are. But the main point of it is that it was blown way out of proportion and put a tarnish on Bomb's career for a long time. People were like, she's a drug dealer and a bunch of other crazy shit when she was just, I think she heard the medication was for like anxiety. Um, I thought it was for ADHD. ADHD, that's what it was. Yeah. So like basically Adderall. (laughs) I know. So can you guys imagine like just trying to bring Adderall back with you so you could rein in your ADHD and people being like, you're a drug smuggler. (laughs) She's taking amphetamines and distributing them to the rest of the members and everyone in YG Entertainment. Like, it yeah. was that level of blown out of proportionness. <laughs> yeah, it, it was some straight up bullshit. And because of that, I really feel like Park Bomb was kind of shoved in the background for a long time into anyone. Like, obviously, she was still part of the group, but it really felt like everybody else was being promoted. But, like, her and Minzy... They were like, you get the short end of the stick, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our third iconic K-pop moment happened in September 2014. Jessica left SNSD, aka Girls' Generation. Now, there was a lot of shady, confusing information about the nature of her departure, whether it was forced, whether she wanted to leave. But now she's free from SM Entertainment, and she's released a little bit of music and done a little bit of acting, but nothing since 2017. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if she took a break to, you know, start a family or something like that, but that's kind of where her discography and her filmography 
history ends is 2017 so i'm not going to speculate anything but i feel like she's probably at the point where she wants to start a family and settle down and take a break so yeah and jessica is a korean american and her sister is in fx still and so it was like a big deal because she was in i would say at the time the most popular girl group in k-pop yes i would agree like the most well-known the most popular definitely the most promoted and she straight up left and i remember there was just so much speculation on if there was like a scandal that was going to come out and she was forced to leave that she was pregnant that she was on drugs Mm -hmm. that like they had her in a slave contract that she wasn't being paid like no one knew but she left and then snsd was like an eight member group for a while and then once the contracts started to renew again we lost even more people and now there's only five people in girls generation however ogg with the remaining five people released lil touch and i really want them to release more because lil touch is a fucking banger yeah i i agree i just i feel like it was so early like she was like probably she was the first person to leave snsd and the article i was reading was like she kept telling people she wanted to get married and like she was going to talk to the company about it and what i think happened was she did want to date have a boyfriend and you know pursue a relationship and the company was like nope fuck you and if you don't want to compromise on it you can leave and she was like fine i'll leave and i'm pretty sure that's how it went down but now jessica's like 30 or 31 years old so i feel like for her, she probably made the right decision to escape early, do what she wanted to do, and then settle down how she wanted to. Yeah. Being a K-pop idol is very taxing on your on your physical, mental, and emotional strength. <laughs> so yeah, I can definitely understand not wanting to be an idol for a long period of time. And Girls' Generation has been around for a fucking long time. Yeah, and I just feel like with girl groups the companies like never want them to take a break like Uh they have to be releasing something all the time and doing something all the time unless you're black pink (laughs) yeah unless you're black pink but even still like i mean the boy groups get breaks but that's because they have forced military service but the girl groups it's like they run them into the ground because they never get a break and taking a break is looked upon so negatively which I understand from from a business perspective, but a group like SNSD, even at even in 2014, was super super popular. Like had already established themselves. Like they should have let Jessica take a break if she wanted to and come back. In my opinion, to be smart about it, mm-hmm. but they just there's like no wiggle room. They want to control them in every single way. I mean, her leaving for a lot of people marked the quote-unquote downfall of SNSD. Like, yeah. it'll never be the golden age of girls' generation. They call <laughs> they call them, like, SNSD 9 or SNSD 8 or SNSD 5 on yeah. how many people are in the, the group. And a lot of people think that they haven't had any good songs since Jessica left. I don't believe that, but some people do. Yeah, I, d- I disagree with that, but I just feel like it was the decline of SNSD. Mm-hmm. When any member leaves any group, unless it's super early on, I just feel like it can't have anything but a negative impact. Yeah, like, a lot of people don't know that Hyena was actually 
debuted in Wonder Girls, but left super early. And she was totally fine in four minutes and now is a solo artist. And Wonder Girls were fine for a long time. And then they got shafted, but it was a while. Yeah, but I mean, after Hiana left four minute, like four minute did not last very long after that. So, yeah. Our next iconic K pop moment happened in December of 2015. And this was Oh My Girl's prostitution scandal. And that sounds really bad from the outside, but here's the real tea. In December, Oh My Girl was supposed to perform at like this K pop festival. I think in California. It, yeah, it was, it was Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So probably K-Con LA, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so they were supposed to be there. And they did not <laughs> show up. And their company announced that, yes, we tried to get them over there, but U.S. Customs wouldn't let them go in because they thought that they were prostitutes after looking through their luggage. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the U.S. Customs was like, we think they're working girls because they have a lot of outfits and costumes in their luggage. Yeah, so that's that's what the story was for a little bit. And then we find out the real fucking tea, which was that their company didn't get them the right visas. They got them traveling visas and not performing visas, and the U.S. government said no, and then sent them back to South Korea. Yeah. So that company is fucking stupid, number one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, at the time, Oh My Girl had about two singles out, and I liked them a lot. Like, I don't think anything they've released since then I've liked as much as those two singles. So at the time, I was like, how could they be considered prostitutes? I was watching the music videos. I'm like, none of this is sexually suggestive. What are they wearing? Bikinis? (laughs) Like... So my uncle is a U.S. Customs officer, and I just couldn't see him having the time of day to look through someone's luggage and be like, hmm, this person must be a prostitute because they have a lot of clothes. Like, <laughs> that a just doesn't make any sense. suggestive clothing. That just doesn't make any sense. And, like, unless there was, like, cash and footage of them doing sex work in their luggage, like, <laughs> I just... Yeah. Yeah, so the visa thing definitely makes more sense, and but the whole thing was just so scandalous. Like, when we first heard about it, we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) But yeah, that was definitely an iconic moment. (laughs) But the truth came out. (laughs) Yeah, the truth did come out. (laughs) Yeah. Our next iconic moment occurred in December 2017, and this one is a sad one. So again, if you are triggered by mentions of suicide, please just skip the next, like, two minutes. So in December 2017, Jong Hyun took his life via carbon monoxide poisoning, and people think due to his letter that it was from a combination of depression and also the extreme pressures of the K-pop industry. And this was honestly one of the most shocking things I ever read and something that deeply, deeply saddened me. Yeah, I couldn't watch or listen to any shiny videos or music for quite a long time after. I was thinking about him a lot. And at the time, I had just started going to therapy, which was really good. (laughs) But like, yeah. It was it was tough and I'm sure like it was really tough for the other members of Shiny. I remember that fans were coming together and creating this giant scrapbook of letters to like mm-hmm. Jonghyun and the other members about how much 
you know, they're appreciated and how much they're loved and respected and supported. And a lot of people came together and that's good. But also I feel like this was the first in a series of tragic suicides for the K-pop industry. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about some more in a second, but um, I definitely feel like this was not a big enough push. But it was a very shocking waking up point for a lot of people that, you know, you've always heard rumors of how rough and how terrible the pressure of the K-pop industry can be. But to see it actually affect someone to that point is awful. And I feel like that brought it to light for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Junghyun's solo album was released posthumously and... He died right before his, right before a music video was supposed to be released. And I remember watching that and just sobbing. Yeah, I remember that too. (laughs) It was, it was really hard to watch. I would actually watch some of his live performances and like, he put his whole ass heart into everything that he did on that stage. Mm -hmm. But it's, but the thing I, I don't think people realize is that it swings both ways. That if you feel something that deeply, you feel a lot of things that deeply. And it just tears a person down over time. It's just, it's making me sad now even talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go to our next iconic moment. In February 2018, <laughs> Sungri landed in a giant pile of shit with what is now called the Burning Sun Scandal. We did a whole ass episode on this and updates. And updates. (laughs) If you search through our archive, you can hear a lot of it as it was coming out. Rachel, you you try to explain this because there is so much stuff happening. And stuff, like, for a while, news articles were coming out every single day, like, updating the situation. I was like, how much crazier can it possibly get? Yeah, it just seemed to, like, exponentially get bigger and involve more people. But initially, what came out was that Sungri was a co-owner of a nightclub called Burning Sun. And the nightclub was under investigation because of some video evidence of, like, shady, gross practices of drugging girls and dragging them up to private rooms, in addition to paying prostitutes for, like, people with a lot of money business member with a lot of money that would go to this nightclub so mm-hmm. that, that that was the initial head start <laughs> of this scandal and then it just it grew and grew and grew to text messages between you know big idols at the time no one that i can really remember the name of but people that were famous in south korea that were um, involved in a e- not an email chain a text chain of like a group ordering- chat <laughs> Yeah, a group chat of, like, ordering and paying for prostitutes. Yeah. (laughs) It was pretty gross, the stuff that was kind of drug up from that, so. And there was also rumors that there was drug trafficking at the club as well. Mm -hmm. And South Korea has much stricter drug laws than the United States does. So even marijuana is treated like a narcotic basically there and there was like accusations of like cocaine and marijuana being trafficked through the club and people were buying it and people were drugging girls and raping them after they've ingested the cocaine or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah it was insane you still see repercussions they're still making arrests 
for this scandal. So yeah, it turned out to be a pretty shitty situation, and I don't really think they wrapped things up until about a year later, but there's still stuff I see sometimes of continuing crap coming out of this investigation, so. Yeah, it's, so-and-so was arrested in connection to Burning Sun, and I'm just like, they got another one. (laughs) (laughs) It's all people from that group chat, and then other people involved in the illegal sex trafficking there and they're all going down will they all face jail time probably not but the police have been pretty proactive about just arresting them yeah i, th- I think that's super it's super nice to see shady shit like that get taken down so i'm sure it's not the only thing but it just feels nice that there's some justice so our next iconic k-pop moment occurred later that year in september 2018 Hyanna and Don left Cube Entertainment after being in a secretive relationship for a while. They had been found out by the entertainment company and Cube asked them to basically break up. They decided to not do that and they both decided to just leave Cube that year and then they were eventually signed on to Size Entertainment Company um, in early 2019. So not a huge loss for them and they got a nice break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, them leaving Cube was basically like a giant-ass middle finger <laughs> to them, because Hayuna is one of the most iconic, most profitable performers from Cube Entertainment, mm-hmm. and Edon was in Pentagon, which was a boy group that was kind of like about to get... I feel like Pentagon was like about to really blow up. They were just yeah. on the cusp. Now that Edon left, I don't think they're going to blow up like they probably could have when he was still there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like what went down was that Hyuna and Edon were actually together for two full years with no one knowing. And then someone online either found out or was like being nosy or stalking one of them or a paparazzi or something. Someone online was like they're dating. And then rumors started to spread and it started to pick up steam. Hayuna took to Instagram. She's like, yeah, we're dating. But she didn't go to Cube first, and Cube got really fucking mad and fired her. <laughs> and Edon was like, what the fuck? And then there was a bunch of backlash on Cube Entertainment from fans. Like, why are you making them, like, leave Cube? Why can't they be in a relationship? This is stupid. And I feel like it was the first time that like a dating scandal got so much press in the uh, Western media outlets because mm. that usually does not happen. And at some point, Cube was like, Hyuna's not fired. Edon's not fired. We're having a meeting. And they had a meeting about it. And then Hyuna and Edon just were like, peace. And they fucking left. And then after a while, they were signed to P Nation, which, yes, great. They've since released one single each and i hope they can release more music yeah me too i think it was a great outcome and i hope this relationship bullshit finally gets resolved soon we have an episode i believe in our archive all about that that is more detailed if you're interested in learning more about that our next iconic k-pop moment occurred in october 2018 so just one month later bts was at the american music awards and they won the favorite social artist award They went on subsequently in 2019 to win that award again, and also the favorite duo or group pop rock and tour of the year. So I feel like this moment is super iconic because this is the first time where I was like, BTS, 
I mean, I knew they were popular amongst K-pop fans, but this is the first time that your mom or, you know, your coworker or, you know, your little sister were like, BTS, I know who that is because I saw them on this thing. And I feel like once they were on the American Music Awards, other award shows started booking them for performances mm-hmm. and the hype got bigger and bigger and bigger. They started going on morning shows. They went on SNL. They went on a giant fucking stadium tour. They're doing mm-hmm. it again. And I feel like them winning this award and performing at American Music Awards was like the domino, the tiny little domino. And now they're yeah. international fucking superstars. Yeah, they absolutely skyrocketed in fame. And I just have to say that a lot of artists came before them to kind of lay the pathway for K-pop, but they were the the group that finally was able to get enough of a foothold to launch themselves into space, basically, because a lot of people just couldn't get off the ground. So I'm I'm really proud of BTS. And while we're not ARMY, we really like BTS. And that was definitely an iconic moment for us. Like, I was shook. I was so happy, so proud that a K-pop group was in America winning awards, gaining stardom. The reason why this award show slash performance kind of became viral and started this whole thing for BTS in the States is because the audience was jam-packed with ARMY, just a ton of BTS fans and they're all in the front and when they start doing the uh, song that they're performing you cannot hear them because of how loud the fans are they're doing fan chants they're Mm -hmm. screaming and that is kind of what sent out this what the fuckness and that is kind of what made this performance viral. People were like, what the fuck? Why are they going crazy for this group? Like, I haven't seen this since the Beatles. And yeah. I remember, like, that. It's because ARMY was so strong at that performance. Literally, ARMY rise up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember my dad sending me an email and being like, this is crazy. Sends me a YouTube video of it. Yeah. Uh, he would, he would. our next iconic k-pop moment happened in april 2019 blackpink performed at coachella and they made history as the first south korean pop group to perform there other south korean groups had performed but no one was a headliner or this popular yeah they performed things like let's kill this love and boombaya and the crowd went wild and again it made headlines because it's unusual for a k-pop group to perform in america let alone coachella so i think that helped a lot with blackpink's popularity actually in america Mm -hmm. and like there were celebrities there who were like oh cool blackpink i remember that will smith took like selfies with them and like posted videos because he was backstage with his family like taking videos and posting it to instagram like blackpink you made a fan and stuff like that and i feel like this really helped Blackpink establish themselves as the girl group, even though Mm. they don't fucking release any music. I know. (laughs) It's not their fault. (laughs) It isn't. (laughs) All right. Our next iconic K-pop moment occurred in November 2019. Again, this is a sad one, so skip ahead if you are triggered by suicide. So this is where shit kind of hit the fan. Sully of FX and Guhara of Kara both committed suicide within two months of each other 
I believe Buhara, that tragedy occurred in September and then Soli was in November. But basically, they both did it because of pressures of the K-pop industry and a lot of bullshit news and shit that was being thrown their way. And this is really what launched the discussion about mental health in South Korea in general and specifically with K-pop idols, with their mental health and their work schedules and the environment that they are forced to be in. It just, it really hurts my heart because Soli had an unprecedented amount of like hate directed Mm -hmm. towards her. She's one of the few idols who were out and one, supported LGBT people, two, supported abortion access, three, didn't like wearing makeup or shaving, four, was just a straight-up feminist in so many ways, and she got so much fucking hate. Mm-hmm. It's really sad, and, like, there was so much conversation when Jung Hung tragically died, and I feel like it just wasn't enough, and it keeps happening, and it, it will keep happening until there is like laws that prevent people from working around the clock it won't stop happening until idols form unions honestly like they need unions and collective bargaining to determine their work hours and benefits yeah i i feel like a lot of it will have to be a south korea culture shift too because mental health is a very taboo thing to talk about it's not something you're supposed to talk about or have wrong with you But as everybody knows, humanity struggles with mental health issues. Every single one of us. It does not matter what country you live in. It does not matter what race you are. You have a lot of people with mental health issues and a lot of them need medication or treatment or therapy or a combination of all of those. And it's just not accessible. It's not made accessible to these idols And I don't know about you, but my mental health is always terrible when I'm forced to work around the clock. (laughs) So that does not help. (laughs) No. Our last iconic K-pop moment is actually a range of time. From 2014 to December 2019, CL had her album suspended. Five years of fucking stupidity and YG being an absolute fucking asshole what an asshole. I hate him so much. I want him to retire. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like he's running YG Entertainment into the fucking ground. Yeah. Uh, she finally broke free in 2019 and released a couple of songs in, what was it called? In the Name of Love? Like, I, I forget. It was basically a bunch of music she wrote when she was in this forced fucking suspension of all music releases she wrote a bunch of music and then as a fuck you she didn't renew her contract in november 2019 and then the following month she released like five songs so yeah i really like them you should check them out on spotify they're not what you would expect from cl or it's not like 21 2.0 they're very much her own yeah they are and they're good and the music videos are very cool so like it was a thing it was like hashtag free cl like Mm -hmm. i could not believe that they stalled her career for five years she was supposed to be the one that brought k-pop to the u.s and like they fucked her career we will never know if she will ever recover from that like obviously she can now release music and do stuff but she lost momentum and in the music industry that's literally everything 
Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like CL still has a really big fan base in us old to anyone fans that loved her and loved her solo career, but then she got fucked for five fucking years. <laughs> I feel like she could still be successful, but she will never be as successful as she could have been if she was allowed to rocket to stardom like the path that she was on. I'm just... It's such wasted potential. It makes me so angry about men and their small dicks <laughs> and wanting to control <laughs> everything. Like, fuck. <laughs> uh. Like I said, he's ruining the company. He needs to resign. The Burning Sun scandal should have nuked his career. Like, Elm Coffin. Yep. Let Blackpink release more fucking songs. Rose of Blackpink wants to do solo work. Let Rose do solo work. Like, there is no fucking reason why yg entertainment is still considered one of the big three when i feel like no one is releasing music yeah it's like they have one group yeah yeah and that's not an entertainment company and that's I mean, on period yes i guess winner did just release the music but that's one group out of how many like and also like yg is losing people like they are dropping like flies lehigh is no longer with yg she Mm -hmm. left because she was not being promoted at all she Mm -hmm. had a popular period she wasn't allowed to release music then she dropped an album and then nothing so Mm -hmm. she left (laughs) messed up anyway (laughs) anyway those were 11 iconic k-pop moments over the past decade and then some again these were iconic k-pop moments for us and if you have your own iconic k-pop moments feel free to share those with us you can do a voice recording on anchor if you'd like to or just leave us a comment on any of our social media platforms but yeah this was super fun i'm glad that we did part one because part two is all gonna be about music and by golly there's a lot of iconic music and music videos that have been released so so many (laughs) can you guys guess the number one most iconic one i bet you can (laughs) i hope you can (laughs) if not that would make me feel very old hint it's not bts (laughs) dig deeper Let's finish this episode with our weekly K-pop recommendations. Mine is going to be Signature's Asa. My weekly K-pop recommendation is Favorites Lie. Guys, you can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can find us on Tumblr at soulmatespodcast.tumblr.com. Check us out on Instagram at soulmatespodcast. And we're making an effort to post more on Instagram. Hell of effort. (laughs) We found a program that works for us. Because Instagram is hard. Because you use it on your phone. But we wanted to cue things. And we found a thing that lets us do that. So it's much easier for us. That thing, unsurprisingly, is Hootsuite for anyone that knows anything about social media scheduling. Yeah. (laughs) You can check us out on YouTube at Soulmates Podcast as well and watch some of our videos. Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to our podcast anywhere podcasts are normally found. Tell your friends, tell your family, download an episode, listen to us in the midst of all this craziness. We release new episodes every single Friday unless we are ill or life catches up to us. Yeah, and life has been doing that lately, but we've been releasing. We've been plugging along. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Friday via Zoom. Logging off, this is Emily. And this is Rachel. Bye. Bye.